Well, good evening. God bless you, and what a delight to be back at Only Believe Ministries with Pastor Dosick and his lovely family. I'm always encouraged when I come because I get to hear about the great things that God is doing. You may be seated. Uh, I, I want to tell you that I'm honored tonight to have the opportunity to stand in this pulpit again and share the word. And uh, there's not a lot of places in the world where you can go and just immediately dive right into the word. Uh, there's a lot of places where you have to prepare them for the word because they're so starved of the word that if you give it to them too straight, too quick, they look shocked. And the good thing is, is here, the word of God is so present. The word of God is so well preached. The word of God is believed. You can't be only believed church and not believe. The Word of God is so believed that it creates a liberty for someone to come into this pulpit, open up the Bible, and immediately begin delivering what message God has placed on my heart. A few weeks ago in prayer about this upcoming meeting, I asked the Lord what I was supposed to share. And He said, Son, when you get there, tell them the Lord is my healer. And so tonight, that's our topic. The Lord is my healer. Say that with me. The Lord is my healer. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn them for just a moment to Psalms 103, verses 1 through 3. And while you're looking for that, I want to bring you greetings from San Antonio, Texas, and Pastor John Hagee. Uh, Pastor Hagee is uh, doing well everywhere I go these days. People say, how's your father? And he's 78 years young and still kicking and working and doing what he does. Uh, he's still sharing the Word of God. He's still touching hearts around the world, and I thank God every day for the calling that's been placed upon his life and how he has carried that mantle and, and done it uh, in such a loving way. Things are good at Cornerstone Church. Uh, we are just days away from opening our Sanctuary of Hope, and uh, for those of you who are familiar with the project, that is an unwed mother's home and an orphanage, and for those of you who are not, it is a place where young ladies who uh, are pregnant and need a place to give life can come and do just that. It's very easy for a young lady who's in a tough situation to walk into a Planned Parenthood clinic and give a death sentence. But we've created a sanctuary of hope where she can walk onto that campus and give a life sentence. And we're thankful for that. So I encourage you to stay in touch with what the ministry is doing there because I believe that the body of Christ has a responsibility not just to stand up and speak up for truth, but to create opportunities for those who need the work of God to be done in their life to be engaged in. You know, when Pastor Dosick is traveling around the world and he's sharing in ministry and the things that he's doing, he's giving people the opportunity to engage in the power of God. He's not just standing up for the power of God. He's giving them the opportunity to feel the power of God. And that's when lives get changed. How many of you believe lives are going to be changed in this place tonight? Amen. Well, with that being said, I want to read to you Psalms 103, verses 1 through 3. If you're there, say amen. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Somebody say, forget not. All his benefits. Who forgives your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. Heavenly Father, you've sent me here tonight 
with your word. A word that you have promised will not return void. A word that you have promised is alive and powerful to accomplish your purpose. You sent your son that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now allow this word spoken in faith believing to be received in the lives of those who need a touch from the God who has always been, shall always be our healer. In your precious name do we pray and ask these things. In the name of your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, do we declare it. And in faith believing do we receive it. All of God's children said amen. You know, the Bible is a book that a lot of people misappropriate. The Bible is a book that people want to discuss, but the Bible was never intended to be discussed. The Bible is a book that people want to debate, but the Bible was never intended to be debated. The Bible is a book that people want to understand, and while I encourage people to read the Word of God and seek understanding, you're just going to have to accept that because this book is Holy Spirit-inspired and you are a natural human being, there will be things in the Word that you just won't ever understand. If we limit God's ability based on our understanding, He's not going to be a very big God, especially if you use my understanding. The Word of God was never meant to be debated, to be declared, to, to be uh, debated, to be discussed, to be understood in its complexities. The Word of God was intended to be declared. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, The Word of the Lord is the sword of the Spirit. And in my father's office back home, over the years, he has been given swords. I don't know why they decided to give him swords. Maybe they thought he needed a bigger knife, but apparently they just showed up. And in every one of these swords, there's different insignias from the places that they came. There's different symbols on them for the things that they represented. But each of them have their place on the wall in a display case. Now, I've never been afraid of the swords that dad has on the wall in his display cases. But there's one particular sword that he keeps not on the wall in a display case. He keeps it right behind his desk. And the reason that that one concerns me is because it's within reach. And unlike the swords that are hung on the wall in decoration, in decoration, the one that's within reach can actually be utilized if he so chose. So if he ever turns around and reaches for the sword, I'm gone. And in like fashion, when we recognize the purpose of the Word of God, when we understand that it is the sword of the Spirit, you will begin to understand that as long as the Bible sits on your coffee table in decoration, as long as it sits on your desk and is just a part of your life, it has no power. But when you reach for it and you begin to use it for the purpose in which it was intended, suddenly it has the ability to make a change in your life. When you doubt the Word of God, you use it for decoration. When you debate the Word of God, you take it out of circulation. But when you declare the Word of God, it is alive, it is powerful, and it has the ability to bring God's will to pass in your life. Here's what the Bible says, Jesus speaking. He said, I have come that you may have life more abundantly. But the enemy has come that he might steal, that he might kill, and that he might destroy. What I'm here to do at Only Believe Ministries this evening is to remind you what God has already promised you. 
Not to convince you to believe it, but to simply declare it that in your life, faith may arise and you would receive what God has already given you. Tonight I'm here to tell you, the Lord is my healer. He has been from the very beginning. In Exodus 15, the 26th verse, he told the children of Israel, I am the Lord who heals you. I love that verse because he didn't say, I am the Lord that heals all of you. He made it personal. He said, I'm the one who's going to touch your life. One of the things I celebrate about my Father in heaven is that there are times he makes me feel as if I was the only person on earth he'd take care of me. He is the Lord who heals me. He is personally making it his responsibility to take care of me. And this care that he takes for me is not just physical. It's not just emotional. It's not just spiritual. It's in all aspects of my being, physically, financially, emotionally, in everything. He said, I'm going to give you abundance. And I can celebrate that with confidence because my God is not a man that he should lie. The Bible actually says, let God be true and every man a liar. Simply stated, if he said it, he'll do it. So when the doctor gives you a diagnosis, you give him a declaration. When the doctor tells you that this is just part of your family history, you let him know that old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. That's not just a statement of faith, that's a statement of fact. Why is it a fact? Because God said it. And if God said it, then that settles it. Don't debate it, don't deny it, don't doubt it, simply declare it. The Lord is my healer. Now one of the challenges that we have in our lives is that whenever we begin to try and understand something, we want to find out how it works. And I think it's funny because whenever it comes to the things of God, we want to know how it works. But there are other things in life that we just generally accept as is. For example, can anybody tell me how Wi-Fi works? I mean, I've heard there's a cloud, but I've never seen the cloud. I'm told there's a password, but sometimes I'm just automatically on. I've heard I've been hacked and I've been accused of hacking others, but the only time I ever intentionally hack is when I've got a cold and a cough. I don't understand hardly anything about technology, but I am fully willing to engage in what I don't understand all of the time. And yet there are people that whenever it comes to healing, they say, well, I believe that the Bible says God's a healer, but why? Why do you need to know? Don't debate it. Declare it. If God said it, that settles it. Take the two-edged sword that he has given you and don't ask yourself how it works. Just use it for his purpose. Use it to set yourself free from sickness because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to understand how he overcame death, hell, and the grave. You just have to declare that you have been set free from the shackles of that bondage. You don't have to understand why he said he would be in the midst of those when we gather. You just have to celebrate the fact that when two or three of us come together in faith, believing, asking anything in his name, whatsoever we ask the Father in heaven, Jesus said he will do it. 
Our God is a healer. He has given us the authority of His name. His name is above every name, regardless of what you're faced with tonight. His name is greater than a doctor's diagnosis. His name is greater than your personal history. His name is greater than the fear that you face. His name is greater than any need that you have. His name is greater than any weapon that the enemy would use against you. His name is the name that you declare to send powers and principalities fleeing. His name is is the name that you declare to watch broken bodies be healed and restored. His name is the name that you declare when you need to see the chains of addiction and bondage broken. His name is the name that gives strength to the weak. It gives hope to the hopeless. It gives a heart to those who need a touch from heaven. It opens deaf ears. It causes the blind to see. It gives dead things new life. I don't need to understand how his name works. I just need to stand and declare his name and watch God do the rest. David said it this way in another psalm. He said, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. And tonight I haven't come to Ohio to debate or to doubt or to discuss. I have come to declare and I have come to give thanks to the Lord. Because the Lord is my healer. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. Why? Forgetting not all of his benefits. He is my healer. Psalms 103 and verse 3, it connects two things that we need to understand very clearly. It connects the natural and the supernatural. You need to know that the supernatural drives the natural. We often have that in reverse. We want to pretend like the natural drives the supernatural. It doesn't. The supernatural drives the natural. This is why David said that the Lord does two things. First, he forgives all of our iniquities. How many iniquities? All. Not just the ones that you're comfortable with, the ones that you're uncomfortable with. He forgives all our iniquities. And then he says he heals how many? All our diseases. Now, iniquity is a supernatural illness. Disease is a physical illness. Iniquity is sin in the soul. More clearly defined in theological terms, iniquity is the stuff you do that you know you're not supposed to do, but you do it anyway. Now, how many of you know what iniquity is? I'm not asking you to raise your hand and admit that you did it. I'm just asking you if you understand what I just said. I know I'm not supposed to behave this way, but I behave that way anyway. That's iniquity. That's a sin sickness in your soul. And the supernatural drives the natural. Now, the reason that I bring this up is because one of the things that you'll hear people teach in the church, and this is not true, but they'll say people are sick because they sin. That's not true. That's not how God operates. God doesn't curse you with sickness. People are not sick because they sin. People are sick because of sin. And there's a significant difference between those two things. 
This is why David connects the two. He says, he forgives all your iniquities and he heals all your diseases. We struggle with sickness because of the reality of sin. Take it all the way back to Genesis and this is where you see the exact situation and the moment in which it happened. Consider how the supernatural and the physical and the natural are connected. In the book of 3 John, the second verse, John says to the church, he says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper, that you be in good health. And then he connects the natural prosperity and health with the supernatural, even as your soul prospers. He's connected these two things for us because your physical and financial prosperity is connected to your spiritual prosperity. So when we read what David says, that the Lord forgives our iniquities, it's a very natural thing that once he has healed us of a soul sickness, he would heal us of a physical sickness. And the reason that you should know this is because, as I said earlier, our curiosity gets the best of us. One of the first questions that every child learns is why. I was the king of why growing up. My dad would say something and I'd say, why, 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 why? And after I wore him out with an hour of whys, eventually he'd get to the point where he'd say, just because. And I knew that that was the end of my whys. Because if I gave him another why, I'd get a what. And one of the reasons that we have to come to this understanding that the supernatural is connected to the natural is because if we try to divorce the two, we, give, we, we limit God's ability to influence us in multiple spheres. We want him just to be a Sunday relationship and we don't carry him Monday through Friday. We see people do this all the time. They compartmentalize their faith to where when they come to the house of God, they expect to receive something from God. But he's not just a Sunday God. He's a Monday through Friday and everyday God. So the reason that we need to know why sickness exists is because in our curiosity, if we don't come up with a solution, we'll make one up. This is how theories like evolution come to be. How many ever heard the evolutionary theory? You know, one day there was a couple of cells floating in a puddle and they bumped into each other and they became more cells and then they decided they liked the tail. So they grew a tail and then the tail split and then they got some legs and then they walked out of the water that they were in and they went and climbed a tree and they hung upside down and ta-da, that's how you got here. That's an oversimplification of a lot of the stuff that you hear taught in science classes in some pretty sophisticated places these days. But the reason that people came up with that theory is because in their curiosity of where man came from, when they decided not to believe what the Bible said, they had to make something up. The Bible says God created man. The Bible says that I'm not part of the animal kingdom, I'm a part of his kingdom. The Bible says I'm a little lower than the angels, not a little higher than the monkey. And yet, because we didn't have a why, some guy named Charles Darwin said, oh, I think I've got this figured out. He had nothing to prove it on, but once he said it, everybody said, oh, I like that. And we do the same thing with the Word of God. Whenever we say, well, why is somebody sick? Well, I think that person's sick because they offended God. No, they're not. If God starts to do those kinds of things, then we're all in trouble. He's no respecter of persons. 
The Bible says there's not one righteous among you. So if my behavior, my personal behavior is what causes me to be ill, I'm in trouble. I'm not sick because of my sin. I'm sick because of sin. And that's an important truth for you to grab. This sin is not personal sin. When you do that, you become a legalist and you try to tell somebody that your behavior determines whether or not God loves you. God loved you when you were a sinner. The sin that caused sickness was original sin. Romans 5 and 12 tells us this. By one man did sin enter the world. That one man was Adam. As long as Adam chose to live according to God's command, everything was perfect. There was no struggle. There was no strife. There was no toil. Now, there's some things that you should understand about the perfect world that Adam lived in. Even in Adam's perfect world, Adam had a job. And that's an important thing to grasp because there's a lot of people who think work is a curse. Work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. The Bible says that God created Adam and God told Adam, keep the garden. That was his job. Now, when Adam sinned, Adam's work became difficult. And when Adam sinned, he brought a curse on the natural. He brought a curse on the relationship he had with his wife. He brought a curse on his work. Genesis 3 and 18, the curse on nature. It says, thorns and thistles shall it bear for you. This is an agricultural area. Every time I fly in, I love to look at the ground because I get to see all of the crops that are being either planted or tended to or harvested. But you know that ground out there is under a curse? There's farmers in this region of the world that are struggling to get crops to grow. But I bet you Pastor Dosick can get weeds to grow in the asphalt in the parking lot. Not because he's such a good farmer, but because the ground is cursed. The other day I was walking in our parking lot at the church and there was a dandelion growing up through the asphalt. And somebody said, oh, I see God in that. I said, I see sin in that. That's a curse right there. That's just a curse. Thorns and thistles, weeds in the asphalt. So Adam brings a curse on the ground. Adam brings a curse with sin on the woman. God looked at Eve and he said, Pain shall you now have in childbirth, and your desire shall be over the husband. Now that word desire has nothing to do with physical attraction. That word desire has to do with a desire for her to rule over Adam. The Hebrew word is sikono, which means to rule over. And I can prove this to you very simply. How many married people do we have in the room here? Now, if your wife was cursed with an obsession for you physically, has she demonstrated it? Probably not. But... Has your spouse ever demonstrated a desire to rule over you? Easy, brother. Don't get hurt. There's security here, but they're for me, not you. What we see happening in the world right now is some would call the, 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 the gender war, the battle of the sexes. But the problem is, is there's a curse here where... The natural has been engaged with the supernatural. And what's happened is there's a desire to rule over God's natural order. 
God created them in the beginning, male and female. He created them, Adam and Eve. He didn't make Adam superior to Eve. He didn't make Eve superior to Adam. He took from Adam's rib. Why? Because if he took from the foot, Adam would have walked on her. If he took from the head, she would have ruled over him. But he took from the side so they could be equal partners and complement one another. But when sin entered the equation, that complement became a competition. And with sin, you have this challenge where a woman wants to rule over a man. Even when she acts like she's following him, she's still saying, we'll see. (laughs) Yes, for now. Not only was there a curse on nature, and there's a curse on the relationship between man and woman, but then there's a curse on all mankind. God looks at Adam and he tells him, he says, from the dust you came and to the dust you should return. And in that verse, we see sickness enter mankind. You're not sick because you sinned. You're sick because of sin. And it's important to understand that because the supernatural drives the natural. Say that with me. The supernatural drives the natural. Now, it's important to understand that because by one man did sin enter the world. But in Romans chapter 5 it says, And if by one sin entered the world, then by one God sent free grace, redemption, and mercy. God did not just end the story with the first Adam. He sent a second Adam, his son Jesus Christ, a supernatural being born of a woman, but fully God and fully man. And the Bible says that he came that he might destroy the works of the devil. He came that he might set at liberty those who were held captive. Captive to what? Captive to the inherited nature of sin. Captive to the curse that was pronounced at Genesis. Captive to the bondage of death captive to the chains of the grave, captive to all kinds of illness and, 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 affir- and infirmity. But when Jesus came to this cross and he hung in redemption for you and for me, he said, it is finished. And now because of him who the Son sets free is free indeed. Spiritually, we have been born again. Old things have passed away. Physically, in him do we live and move and have our being Financially, the Bible says it is the Lord that gives you the power to get wealth. Emotionally, he's now the joy that gives me strength. When sin disrupts all of that, I don't have to live under the curse of Genesis. I can go to the cross at Calvary and I can declare I have been born again by grace divine. People say, why are you sick? You're sick because of sin, but the cure for sin came at the cross. Which is why I can say with great confidence, the Lord is my healer. I don't have to deal with what happened to me in Genesis. I can work from the facts of what happened to me at Calvary. Sin disrupts what God put in order, and God paid the debt with Jesus Christ. Every morning that the sun rises, we're reminded that His mercy is renewed. There is no statute of limitations on God's promise. That's why you can say clearly, by His stripes, I am healed. 
He didn't say, I was healed. He didn't say, I will be healed. He said, it's a matter of fact, I am healed. What sin did to mankind, God conquered when he sent his son. What sin required, Jesus paid when he shed his blood. The supernatural Son of God has changed the natural circumstances of your life emotionally, physically, financially, so that there isn't any place for sickness or, 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 or there isn't any place for sickness or sorrow or poverty in your life. You say, well, it's there. It's there because rather than declare it, you debate it. Rather than declare it, you discuss it. Rather than declare it, you look at your natural circumstances and you allow yourself to live beneath the natural circumstance rather than understand that the supernatural drives the natural and you don't have to live beneath your circumstance. You can overcome them. Why? Because Jesus said so. Whatever you ask in faith, believe it. Whatever you ask in faith, believing. One of the things that I've always appreciated about this church, only believe. There's no hyphen. Only believe except for that. No. Only what? Believe. Jesus gave us the opportunity to take his name, take his word, and declare without question he is the great physician. My grandmother, when her oldest son was eight years old, he had his first epileptic seizure. He had grand mal epilepsy for three years. In the early 1950s, when he got his diagnosis, there wasn't a whole lot of medication. There wasn't a whole lot of treatment. There were just a whole lot of suggestions. So the suggestions that the doctor gave her were don't let him ride a bike. If he has a seizure and he falls into the middle of the street, he could die. Don't let him climb a tree. If he has a seizure and falls out of the tree, he could die. Don't let him go to school. If he has a seizure around his other friends, they're never going to accept him as normal. And you can tell that there's probably not a lot of hope in this conversation. The doctor gets done reading all of these suggestions that he has for my grandmother concerning her oldest son. And she looks right at him and she said, God knew where I'd be today. And he knew what you'd say to me today. I may be shocked by this situation, but he's not. And if God wants to take my son to heaven, he can. If he wants to take him while he's climbing a tree or riding a bike or going to school, he can. But I'm not going to change my life for this illness. And the doctor looked at my grandmother like she had lost her mind. What he didn't know is that she had lost her mind a long time ago when she went to Calvary and met Jesus Christ. You say, now how did that play out? She went home, she told her husband what the doctor had said, and... She made a commitment. She said, I am going to fast every supper meal until God heals my son. Now, 
that sounds like a very spiritual and, and, and wonderful thing to do. And indeed, being who she was, she did exactly that. Now, back then, this is in the 50s, microwaves were, you know, really not around. So if, if supper got cooked, mama cooked it. So she would cook for her husband and she would cook for her three sons and she would set the table and she would take off the apron and she would go to her bedroom and while they sat out at the kitchen table and ate, she went back to her bedroom and she got on her knees and talked to God. One prayer, one request, God heal my boy. God heal my boy. God heal my boy. God heal my boy. She'd send him to school. He'd have a seizure. She'd go pick him up. She'd come home. She'd cook dinner. She'd go to the bedroom. God heal my boy. He got older, 8 turned to 9, 9 turned to 10, 10 turned to 11. He's having two and three seizures a week. 36 months, she didn't eat dinner. 36 months, she gave that meal to God and she went back to her room and she said, God, heal my boy. One night, they're at a Thursday night prayer meeting at church because back then you went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and that was when you weren't having revival. When you had revival, you just went. And in their Thursday night prayer meeting, as she had many nights before, she said, I want to pray for Bill to be healed. And she called him forward and she did what the Bible said. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. And the elders of the church will anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. She laid her hands on her son as she had for the last 36 months. And this particular night when she laid her hand on her son, the power of God hit that boy. And he lay in the floor under the Holy Spirit. But when he stood back up from that day, he just passed away a few days ago, 86 years old. From the time he was 11 to the time he was 86, he never had another epileptic seizure. Why? Because the Lord is my healer. Now what enabled that healing to take place? A mother was willing to declare what God's word said. A mother was willing to declare what God's word said not once, not twice, not 30 days, but until God moved. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Forget not all of his benefits. God hasn't forgotten his promises to you. He just wants you to stand on those promises until he performs them. Now that promise might not come in your time, but I promise you if God said it, he'll perform it. One of the things that I struggle with as a pastor is the difference between when I'm asking and when I'm receiving. And part of that's our culture. How many of you, when you ask for something, you expect instant results? I mean, we've got everything instant these days. We've now got stuff that you can order while I'm sitting here preaching to you, and it'll be waiting for you when you get home. And if it's not there, you're going to pick up the company that you ordered it from and say, where is it? And then they're going to give you a tracking number, and they're going to give you the opportunity to follow that tracking number until you can find out where it arrived. As a matter of fact, if you ordered it tonight and it wasn't at your house in the morning, it would probably tell you, well, it left the shipping house in Dayton and then it went over here and then it went over there and now it's over there. And you'd be looking at that tracking number telling people all the time, oh, it's over here. It's a, don't worry about it. It's coming. 
Well, God doesn't put a tracking number on your prayer requests. But I promise you, it's coming. Ask in Jesus' name, it's coming. The date of its delivery might not be known to you, but I promise you it will get there right when God wants it to. Why? Because the Lord is my healer. You have a declaration to make today. Why? Because the God of the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is true. It wasn't true thousands of years ago. It is still alive. It is still powerful. It still gives strength. It's still living water. It's still living bread. It still conquers diseases. You can declare his word over sickness, and sickness will turn to health. You can declare his word over poverty, and poverty will turn to prosperity. You can declare his word over your family and your family will be favored of the living God. You can declare his word over illness. Simply choose to say, today, Heavenly Father, I choose life. You've set before me life and death. I have a choice to make. I choose life. I declare victory. I'm not here to debate whether or not I'm going to succeed. I'm here to declare I am more than a conqueror through Christ who gives me strength. I choose to live above my circumstance. I choose to be on the Lord's side. I choose to declare that he is my shepherd he is my provider he is my healer he is my protector he is my strength he is my joy he is the one who has set me free he is the one who has conquered the grave he is the one who can overcome every circumstance I face I declare it in Jesus name Now, I want you to know that God intends for us to expect healing. There are times when we get surprised by God performing what He said He'd do. And I don't know about you, but something that irritates me is when my children get surprised by me doing what I said I'd do. And it's just human nature. Dad, are you going to work today? Son, I was going to work every day before you were born. I guess I'm going tomorrow too. Dad, are you coming home from the office today? I ain't never missed a night. Sometimes they'll ask me crazy questions. Dad, are we going to have dinner? Have I ever not fed you? But they ask like they're really concerned about it. I mean, in the years that they've lived with me, every day since they came home from the hospital, I've done my best to take good care of them, I promise. Fed them, clothed them, bathed them, taught them. And still they ask, Dad, are we going to have breakfast tomorrow? How many breakfasts do you want? And I know how that bothers me as a natural father. I mean, you know, I promise you this. If I ever withheld breakfast based on their doubt, Dad, are we going to have breakfast tomorrow? Well, son, we were going to have breakfast. But since you doubted me, tomorrow we're going to skip breakfast. Do you know what my children would do? 
they would go from doubting to declaring. They would say, hey, Dad, when we have breakfast tomorrow, it's going to be good. We're going to have pancakes, and we're going to have eggs, and we're going to have bacon, and everybody's going to be happy, and there's going to be lots of hot butter, and there's going to be lots of syrup, and there's going to be lots of steak, and there's going to be, I mean, they would start talking about things that I wouldn't even want to fix, but because they doubted and I withheld, they'd suddenly start declaring. Do you know what God wants us to do concerning the promises that he has faithfully made to us? Not ask him, God, are you going to heal me? God, are you going to move? God, are you going to answer? The Bible says in the book of James, the man who doubts, you know what he will receive? Nothing. Your doubt withholds God's promise. But when you declare it, now he says there's one down there who's believing. There's one down there living in faith. There's one down there who's walking by the divine gift that I've given them in my word. Send that one the answer. Child of God, don't come to God with your doubts. Come to God with your declaration. Because you are God. Because you are the maker of heaven and earth. Because you are the one who created me. And I am the sheep of your pasture. And you sent your son to die for me. Because I'm here on this earth living for you. I declare you will heal me. You will provide for me. You will give me victory. You will make me the head and not the tail. You will make me above and not beneath. You will give me the desire of my heart. You will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that I cannot contain. You will bless me in the city and bless me in the field. You will bless me in my basket and in my bowl. You will cause others to rise up and declare me blessed because you said you'd do it and therefore I'm standing upon it and therefore I'm declaring it. I'm not concerned about it. I am believing that if you said it, you're going to do it. God expects us to expect it. Because when we don't, we doubt it. And when we doubt it, we lose it. The Lord is my healer. The Lord is my healer. He has healed me spiritually. And He has healed me physically. The Bible gives some very clear instruction about how healing is to come into our lives. That healing comes from James chapter 5. If there is any sick among you. The Bible says, let them call. Say that with me. Let them call. Who does the calling? The sick. The sick. Why? Because faith without works is dead. If there is any sick among you, let them call. And the elders will anoint them. And then it says, and the prayer of faith will. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say the prayer of faith might on certain occasions. It doesn't say the prayer of faith, if you flip a coin, 50-50. It says the prayer of faith, say it with me will, it will save the sick. And then it says, and the Lord will raise them up. Who does the raising up? 
So, the sick do the calling, the elders do the praying, and the Lord raises them up. What I know is that the if is not in God, the if is in us. Anytime that you see conditions in the Bible, the conditions are not in God. He is faithful. If we confess our sins, then He is faithful to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we are sick and we ask in faith believing, the Lord will raise us up. And it says the Lord will raise them up and if they have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. Here again in James, just like in Psalms 103, the supernatural is connected with the natural. God wants to heal you. The question is, do you want to be healed? There are certain people that say they do, but the reality of it is they have to willingly declare that they have a healer rather than debate and discuss the facts of their situation. Well, I'd like to be healed, but the doctor said, the doctor's not your healer. I'd like to be healed, but, but my family history, your family history is not your healer. I'd like to be healed, but I've seen how this plays out. Your past experience is not your future. The Lord is my healer. Can we stand to our feet? Heavenly Father, your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Your word gives life to our physical bodies. Your word is what you sent to the children of Israel and healed them. It's what took on the form of flesh in your son Jesus Christ and healed them. It's what you have sent into this sanctuary tonight. And we believe in faith that your word will heal in this room. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this place and you need healing, before you receive healing, what I want you to do is take a moment and be honest with the Lord that if there's any sin in your life, you would confess it. The supernatural drives the natural. The Lord heals us in our physical bodies, but He also forgives us of all of our iniquities. So, Father, in Your precious name, do I commit myself once again under the blood of Jesus Christ because Your blood has washed me and made me clean for every sin, for every transgression, for every iniquity. Lord, I lay it at Your altar and I say, forgive me this day of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Lord, for those in this room who need to make that personal confession of their sin, I ask that the Holy Spirit would lead them and guide them so that as they confess, they would purge themselves of anything that would hinder what you're about to do in their physical body. In Jesus' name, I come against the spirit of doubt. In Jesus' name, I come against any ounce of division. In Jesus' name, I come against any stronghold that would bind the faith that God has in this room to receive what God wants to do. Lord, as we have declared our freedom from sin, now I ask in Jesus' name that you would begin to touch physical bodies in this place.
you would begin to reverse diagnoses in this place. You would begin to bring strength to places of weakness. You would begin to restore what has deteriorated over years. You would begin to remove burdens, to destroy yokes, to break shackles and chains. For in Jesus' name, we receive healing. In Jesus' name, we receive physical manifestations of the magnificent power of God, declaring in faith that the Lord is our healer. I declare in Jesus' name that cancer is being cured in this place. I declare in Jesus' name that heart disease is being conquered in this place. I declare in Jesus' name that those who are suffering with diabetes are being set free and their body is going to function flawlessly based on God's divine design, not a doctor's diagnosis. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have brought a word that reminds us yet again, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you are our healer. Move in this place, mighty God. Move in this place, mighty God. Move in this place. Bless you, Lord. Now I want everyone in this room to repeat this prayer with me. Lord Jesus Christ, tonight I declare in faith you are my healer. You have set me free. You have restored me spiritually. You have touched me physically. You have provided for me financially, and I receive your promise, your power, your plan in my life, in Jesus' name. The enemy cannot stop me. The past cannot overcome me. No weapon formed will prosper because you have made me more than a conqueror through Christ and greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world in Jesus name I declare this on earth and it is done in heaven in Jesus name amen now give the Lord a triumphant hand clap of praise